On this episode of the Movie Maniacs podcast, I'm going to be discussing Taylor Sheridan's Wind River, the first season of Stranger Things, as well as Man vs. Bee, a new Netflix show starring Rowan Atkinson, known for his projects such as Mr. Bean and Black Adder. We're going to get into all of that in episode 125 of the Movie Maniacs podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, what is happening? It is episode 125 of the Moving Maniacs podcast, and today we've got a wide variety of topics to cover. I wanted to start off with some quick box office updates, and we've kind of been talking about the Top Gun Maverick versus Lightyear um, storyline that's kind of been happening in the box office, and I thought we would tackle that a little bit more. Lightyear had, I think, an even lower box office um, than last weekend, and I mean, it's just had a pitiful run. Not a lot of people passionate about it. Tim Allen's kind of come out and said he wasn't very happy that uh, he was not cast in it. Um, and then there was even a story that leaked that he might have not been cast in this spinoff because um, of conservative values and this further push that Disney has had to um, – um, actively get away from anything along those lines and push more the woke agenda that they've been having. And it hasn't paid off for them, really. It, it has not. And people are getting frustrated, and it's showing in the box office numbers. I haven't seen the film. Don't plan to see it soon. And, I mean, after Kenobi, which had its ups, had its downs, Cool Vader stuff, bad character stuff at the same time, um... We're calling it a, a quit Disney Plus. So, I mean, people are moving away from this company and it's showing in the box office numbers. And whether it's because of the political stuff Disney's been pushing or because of a, a, a clear lack of ingenuity in their recent projects, whichever one it is, I mean, it's not going well for them. And in the meantime, Films that are focused on giving you a good time, like Top Gun Maverick, those movies have been excelling at the box office. I think it passed The Dark Knight's domestic box office. It's Tom Cruise's biggest film of all time. At In, in a period where we thought movies were done, Top Gun Maverick has um, shown that there is still a clear appetite for films. Ladies and gentlemen, movies are not over, and I hope that that remains clear movies are not over are they as big as they used to be no they're not video games have become uh the bigger the the bigger form the bigger art form you could say uh, i think that video games are capable of being an art form if even though they're not always that way but movies are still capture people's imaginations and we saw this again in 2021 with Spider-Man No Way Home, a film that was focused on giving you fun characters, giving you a fun experience, and it was great. We had a fun time. The audience cheered. It was a good experience. And then Top Gun Maverick has come again and is excelling beyond any expectations the producers could have had for this film. It is doing incredibly well while Lightyear continues to dwindle and underperform at the box office. Uh, I like I like this storyline. I like to see Top Gun Maverick. Um, it's um, clear 
understanding of what makes a really fun summer blockbuster, um, it's paid off for them in a tremendous fashion. And man, that movie was so fun. I'll watch it over and over and over again for sure. I've already seen it twice. I'll probably see it again. It's a really, really fun film. It continues to perform very well at the box office while films that um, push this agenda lack ingenuity. A, a film like Lightyear, they are not doing very well. And I haven't seen Elvis yet or Minions 2. I, I hope to see those films soon. Um, this weekend, we have another MCU film, Thor, Love and Thunder. I, I hope to see this film. Uh, I'm very excited for it. I really like Taika Waititi. And Thor Ragnarok is one of my favorite MCU films. And this movie looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to have some problems, I can already tell. But it's I, I think it, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's going to be a fun time. So hopefully I'll be able to uh, get to see that film at some point this weekend. Enjoy it. And hopefully come back and give you guys a review for that film. Early reactions are looking pretty good, though less uh, as positive when you compare them to Thor Ragnarok, which I was kind of hoping, honestly, that this film would perform or like would do better than Thor Ragnarok and, and be even a better film. But I don't think that's what we're going to end up getting. Thor Ragnarok was a really good film, though, so I, it's a hard film to beat. I thought Thor Love and Thunder had that potential. But I don't think that's how it's looking right now. We'll just have to see Friday. Um, ultimately, we'll see whether or not it pays off. Hope, hope everybody had a happy 4th of July. Um, obviously, a very important day. And uh, I had a really good time chilling with the family, lighting some fireworks, all that good stuff. Um, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, we've been doing kind of these three original films. And I think this is going to be the last one that I mentioned on the show, we did Whiplash uh, just a few days ago. Now I want to talk about a new, uh, or not, not a new film, but I think a 2017 film called Wind River, starring Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. This is a film set in uh, Indian Reservation Territory, and um, a young uh, Native, I, I guess we're not allowed to say Indian, but whatever. Uh, a young uh, Native American woman was killed and it's all about jeremy renner and elizabeth olsen having to hunt down the person who did this and it's directed by taylor sheridan who obviously is well known at this point for writing yellowstone 1883 um sicario and uh is likely going to go on to make many other projects that people like and he has created this empire of tv that people have loved I think this film is incredible, and I went into it with fairly low expectations, not knowing much about it. Uh, I heard it was good. My expectations, my expectations were pretty level heading in. But I watched this film with my mom um, a few months back, and ever since then, it's always been a film that I've recommended to people. I think I've recommended it to about six different people because something about this film, um, it it's a very original film. And it has this, uh, it has a lot of elements that I like to see in films. I love uh, these, I like mystery, you know, movies and all that type of stuff or, or crime thrillers, which is kind of along the lines of what this one is. Um, I love Sicario. That's a really, really good film. And Wind River is in that same vein of, you know, just Taylor Sheridan's just so, it, it's his writing is something that really does pull you in. It, it sucks you in, and 
you just have a really uh it's a blast i think going through his films he writes these really meaty scripts that um you just really love to to watch unravel and as the film continues uh the the mystery ramps up and all that the tension and so forth it's just a really good film i won't spend too much time talking about it because there's an, another film that or tv show that I figured I would mention as well as a season that I watched of an old show that is um, in the uh, realm of pop culture right now, but I'll, I'll get to those two projects in a second. But Wind River, I really do encourage people to watch this film. It's got Jeremy Renner playing uh, this man living in this Indian reservation and Elizabeth Olsen coming in from, I believe, the FBI and... Jeremy Renner is bringing in this experience of the land, of the culture, and Elizabeth Olsen kind of comes in a little bit naive, doesn't really understand what's going on, uh, but over the course of the story, um, she kind of has this, uh, I don't know, this, this experience of understanding where these people are coming from and this completely different culture. And, uh, you know, I watch, I, I read the book, uh, by David Grant, Killers of the Flower Moon. And ever since then, um, Native American reservations have always been something that have, that have fascinated me. The, the, just this whole different culture that is disconnected from anything that, uh, that we see it as, as all, at all prevalent. Um, they live in a, a far more different world than we do, um, but it's on American soil, which is, I guess, technically not. I'm not really sure how all that works, but it's a really fascinating, uh, a really fascinating part of America. Whether you know it's considered part of America, whatever. I, I think it's it's really interesting to see this completely different culture, and I think Terry. It seems to me like Taylor Sheridan did research into understanding this this uh, lifestyle that these people lead, and. It's, a, it's just a really fascinating look into this part of the world that we don't ever really think about, but um, is is out there and and pre not prevalent, but it's they're, they're just out there doing their own thing. And Taylor Sheridan really captured um, this environment and this culture for these for these Native Americans that I, I thought was really interesting to watch unfold and just this. Uh, this look into something that we don't ever really think about, but it was really quite interesting to watch. And that was one of the parts of this film that completely sucked me in was it, it just captured this at this environment that is not really focused on a whole lot in films. But I, I thought, you know, it, the Killers of the Flower Moon book by David Gran um, was a really good book. One of the best books I read last year. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited for this Martin Scorsese movie that will hopefully uh, be coming out this year. But that that is one of the things I love about this movie the most is it's got this wholly original environment that feels so raw, and the create the creation of environment that Taylor Sheridan has been able to capture here is one of the parts of the film that I think works the best. And Elizabeth Olsen, who I think is a, a great actress, and Jeremy Renner also delivers a really good performance. Elizabeth Olsen coming in and seeing this completely different part of the world. That um, is that she had not really considered that the viewers probably haven't considered a whole lot of, 
and is kind of now being brought into this culture and seeing the uh, the far different life that these people lead and how it they still do it to this day. And that's one of the things that I think works best about the film, but it also has this really good uh, crime story at the center of it. And it's not only this kind of, the, you know, digging into all these details and stuff. There's also something that's very emotional about this crime, and there's something that's devastating about it. And because Jeremy Renner is kind of lives in this world uh, with these people, he kind of feels the impact of this death, and he's he's friends with the father of this girl, and the the death feels very close to home for him. And so, as he goes on, you you sense the kind of emotional investment that he has in this case that's different than the way Elizabeth Olsen is looking at it. And so it, it not only has this really good, you know, meaty crime story at the center of it, but there is something emotional about this crime and the way that the film ramps up to it and ultimately shows, um, you know, how it is all resolved and stuff. And, and I, I thought it was so well done. Uh, I, I really did like it. Jeremy Renner, you know, he, I think he's had some, some, you know, uh, allegations against him recently and stuff like that and we don't really expect them a whole lot because of Hawkeye uh, but the guy's a really good actor and and I'll stick to just you know saying that he's a really good actor and he's far better than you know his normal work on Hawkeye he he's really delivered some good performances I was watching uh, the Hurt Locker a couple nights ago he's really good in that and he's really good in this film I I love this performance because uh, there's a toughness about him, but there's also this um, uh, this this small emotion that he shows here that he's clearly trying to conceal, but uh, he clearly does care. You know, in this em- he has this emotional vestment in finding this killer that you know Elizabeth Ol- Elizabeth Olsen has good intentions, but uh, Jeremy Renner clearly has this more emotional look at this at this crime and. To me, that was one of the things that I liked the most about the film. Uh, they're both really good in this film. There are a lot of really tense and hard-to-watch sequences. There's one sequence in particular um, that was really rough, and the film really does kind of almost show the death of this of this girl as this um, really almost. Uh, it's a hard it's a hard thing to explain, but there's something almost. Um, spiritual about this death and the way the film captures that is just is just spot on and it, it taylor sheridan directing and writing is really well done and so i i really do encourage people to watch this film it's a wholly original engaging script and movie with great performances really good tension and uh it's it's just kind of a look back on uh you know taylor sheridan who has grown so much and has now become this really prevalent force in TV and in movies. This is one of his more early works, and I think it's his directorial debut when it comes to movies. I don't know if he has any other plans to direct the film. He did have that film with Angelina Jolie and Nicholas Holt that a lot of people weren't a big fan of. I haven't seen it, but I hope the guy continues to make films as well as TV shows because there is something about his writing that is really capturing people's uh, attention. And I think deservedly so. There is something very engaging about the, the scripts that he writes. They're wholly original. Um, they, they suck you in with that originality. 
it it feels you know just come like something you would want to sink your teeth into you know and and that's what i really like about his films scripts that have a lot of you know detail and attention and and clearly a lot of care put into them that have this really um great story at the center of it with characters that i like that's what i've tried to talk about with these original films and that's one of the things i liked so much about whiplash was the characters the writing the directing and the overall theme that the movie has at the center of it uh, wind river is the same thing it has that originality and it is that the fact that every aspect of this film works is first off something you don't see a whole lot but also something that's incredibly needed nowadays and I think that's one of the things that works so much about Top Gun Maverick. And I've had a good time coming on and talking about some of these films that I really do encourage people to check out because I think once you do, you'll you'll find this this breath of fresh air that I mean we don't get a whole lot in films nowadays. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come on and talk about some of these original films. Um, I'll make sure that you know through our retrospectives, you know we have Knives Out too. I'll get to review Knives Out at some point. And that's another film that I'm really excited to talk about. It's one of the films that made me start the podcast. So that's something that I'm very excited to to talk about when we get down to November and Glass Onion comes out. Interesting title, but uh, <laughs> that's a film that we're going to get to at some point this year. And that's that's very exciting to talk about as well. Now, I wanted to mention, you know, Stranger Things season four talk is clearly taking up a lot of discussion. I haven't seen Stranger Things season four. I recently started the show though with my brother, and I wanted to come on and mention how it's been so far. We are officially a season and a half in. I'll mention that first season. Uh, many people say it's the best season, although I have heard that season four might be better. So whenever Jude and I get to season four, I'll I'll, I'll say whether or not I think that that is the case and. By the time we get to the end of the year, of the year, we won't only do top ten um, movies, but we'll do top ten shows of the year. We've had some good shows, and we also we've also had some run shows. So I'll talk a little bit about some of my favorite shows of 2022. And Stranger Things, obviously, a show that has completely taken pop culture by storm, brought back this 80s nostalgia, um, really exciting characters, a lot of. Big up-and-comers and acting, Millie Bobby Brown probably being the biggest example of, you know, stars that have risen since that show came out. David Harbour as well, though I think he had been acting a little bit longer. The show has completely blown up, and I think it—I don't remember when it came out. I think that was, what, 2016 when the show was—when uh, the show released, I'm not sure, but— Something about this show has really captured people's imagination. And I remember starting this show and it it not immediately grabbing me. I'm not really sure what it was. Maybe I I was paying attention to other stuff. I'm not sure. But I started this show about a year ago. Didn't finish it. Now, with all the Stranger Things Season 4 discussions happening, I felt like it's finally time that I get to this this pop culture phenomenon i mean it, it was just it had gotten so big i had gotten so much hate you know for not watching no oh, you call yourself a film critic you haven't seen stranger things so i was like okay i'll watch stranger things and a season in i get it i, I really do this show is a lot of you know it's got a lot of fun to it but it's also got an intensity 
you know, there, there's a darkness to it, but there's also the, you know, these, these really charming characters at the center of it. It's a very engaging show, and I get why people enjoy it so much. I'm nostalgic for the 80s, and I didn't even live in the 80s. So, I mean, a lot of the music I listen to isn't even this century. So, I can certainly understand why this show captured so many people's attention. And it captured mine. Uh, I'm invested in the characters, and there are certain things about the story that I think are, are cheesy, and... Uh, that is to be expected, and, and some of those things I go, ah, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. Um, and there's certain parts I like of the story that I thought could have been done better, but overall, the show is very, very solid. Uh, I have not, no noticeable problems with it. The performances are very good uh, from all the child actors. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown, I think, being the primary example, I think she's given some great moments of acting and in season two from what i've seen her performance has only gotten better so i am very excited to continue to follow her storyline i think she's the most interesting character in the show but there are, are a lot of facets to the show that i think are really exciting there are characters that i am not a big fan of but i'm not sure how much of that is intentional i i don't think some of it is intentional there are certain characters that i think are just annoying and I'm not a big fan of, but it doesn't really take a, away from a lot of my enjoyment here. I mean, there were certain parts, certain large chunks dealing with these characters that I, you know, I'll, I'll mention. Then the character Nancy, all right, wasn't my favorite character. Uh, she annoyed me for uh, a large part of the show and, and kind of continues to still do that. That wasn't a big fan, but that was not really enough to ruin my whole enjoyment of the show. I think it's still very, very solid. I've had a really good time going through it. and. The, the 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 soundtrack, the directing, the style, all of it. Uh, it. It's pretty clear why this show captured so many people's attention, why it has become so big, and it only seems to be continuing to do that. I know it had been a while since Stranger Things Season 3 came out, and the show is back, and as always, it seems to be capturing people's attention and people are really loving this show. Uh, I What I will say, though, is I don't know how long you keep this show going. Because from what I've seen from season two, it seems like every season there's something from the, um, the Upside Down, uh, like a new creature or something that, that, you know, makes an appearance, starts to cause torment, and... We, you know, that, that that seems to kind of be what happens each season. I'm not sure. Maybe that's not the case, but that's kind of what I'm seeing. And I don't think you can sustain that over the course of multiple seasons. At some point, the show is going to have to hang up the coat, let these actors move on to do better things. Because Lily Bobby Brown has not really done much outside of Stranger Things. I mean, the King Kong series is about it, right? Uh, Theon Wolfhard had Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, but it's time, I think, to let these actors uh, go, let them do their own thing. I wouldn't want them to just stick with this show. And I would like to see what else, you know, Millie Bobby Brown can do outside of playing Eleven. What else can she do? Because I don't think it's, hopefully it's not just giving us performances in these Godzilla films. I think that she's capable of doing a lot more than that. There's a lot of potential here. I think she can only get better, but we'll have to see whether or not I'm right or wrong on that. So... Uh, I I hear we have a fifth season. Uh, they have I don't know if they've said how many seasons they plan on doing. I I hope the show does not overstay its welcome, because 
it would be such a shame if they pulled a Game of Thrones and just went on for too long or didn't have an understanding of how to wrap things up, which is very likely. I don't know what exactly their plan is to, to wrap the show up. We'll see, you know, how Stranger Things season four leaves things off. And my, my biggest advice to the show would just be, you know, keep this run going well uh, and let the legacy live strong because, I mean, Game of Thrones' legacy is tarnished. I mean, just beyond imagination for a show that was at the top for so long. Nobody has much to say about it anymore. And, you know, I'm hearing all this Jon Snow show stuff and prequel House of Dragon. I don't think anyone cares. I mean, does anybody really care about those projects? I don't think so. I'm sure it's a fine show and people are going to watch it. But I think that the, the show is forever tarnished. And I hope that Stranger Things does not fall into that that pitfall. It's the last good thing. Or it's one of the original Netflix things that has remained strong. Ozark wrapped up and that was also kind of one of the original shows that put Netflix on the map. And honestly, Netflix hasn't made anything that, that is all that great recently. So Stranger Things, I think it's necessary for the show to keep a contained amount of seasons. Look at what Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul have done. And those are very different types of shows. But you look at the way that they respected, you know, the knowing when to call it quits, when to hang up the coat and and keep your legacy strong. If Stranger Things understands how to do that, then I think that it's only going to, you know, continue to stay prevalent um, because Netflix, I mean, it, it's, it has dwindling numbers, but it's not going anywhere. I mean, that's for sure. So it's one of the last good things that Netflix has. It definitely needs to make sure that it that it keeps its legacy strong. And I think that it's capable of doing that. I've enjoyed the show thus far. I'm excited to continue to go through these seasons. It's been a good ride. So um, season one was really good. Um, I did want to quickly talk about a new Netflix show starring Rowan Atkinson, one of my favorite comedians. This is called Man vs. B. And it's a very simple premise. Each episode is like 15 minutes or less. And... I, I, I do want to mention before we get into the actual show, Rowan Atkinson, who I know from Black Adder and um, Mr. Bean, uh, the, those are two of my favorite shows. And <laughs> you may laugh, you know, Mr. Bean, it's a very simplistic character and all that stuff. But man, something about that um, simplistic humor and that kind of that that British comedy works so well for me. I mean, I, I think it's really fun stuff. I, I mean, I honestly think that at times British comedy is what I prefer the best. And I, I really do love that type of comedy. And Black Adder is, I think, one of the best comedy shows of all time. I've seen it a couple times. It's a really, really good show. And it only gets better with each season. So I, I do want to say that is a – those are two really good shows that the guy's made. He's also got a great stand-up special on Netflix that I really like. I think the Rowan Atkinson's comedy is very rare to see nowadays, but one that I think works tremendously well. So I was very excited when I heard he was doing a Netflix show. Man vs. Bean, 
on uh, man versus B was, <laughs> I guess, not everything I wanted it to be. It it is very you know something like for my younger brother for Silas he enjoyed this show a lot and I was kind of left saying I'll finish the show but it wasn't really anything that I thought was you know anything in the same vein as Mr Bean or Black Adder it was not on par with those shows but there is still a charm to it that I think is is fun I I understood why Silas liked it it wasn't the worst thing to watch for sure but when i look at those other two shows i i was kind of left thinking this show could have maybe been done better and you know rowan atkinson doesn't really make a whole lot of projects nowadays so i was kind of hoping that this was going to be a slam dunk and it was left you know kind of a little bit of charm to it but really was not as strong as i felt like it could have been a lot of the charm that i think rowan atkinson brings to his projects it is present here and you can see some of that shine through. And even though the show is short and the episodes are like 11 minutes, I still almost feel like this was drawn out a little bit too much. And the premise is very simple. It's a, a, a man who is like struggling or whatever. Like he hasn't had a job in a while or something. This is his, this is like, you know, his last chance or whatever. So he's, he's, what like a uh, house sitting over at this really luxurious mansion and uh while these snobby rich people are going off on vacation and this bee is in the house and it continues to bother him and he you know ends up causing damage to the house while he's trying to destroy the bee or, or kill the bee and all that stuff and it continues to escalate and so forth and the house gets ruined and and, and all that stuff that's pretty much how the the show progresses and it's this kind of battle between this man and B that doesn't really sustain. I think over the course of the show, it could have been cut down even more honestly. And I don't, I think the premise is kind of fun and it, in its simplicity, but I'm not quite sure whether or not the show really warranted the runtime. I did feel like there were some, uh, there were a lot of moments where I was like, I feel like we're going on a little bit too long. And there are many beats that the show repeats numerous times. So I I, I, I like the premise. I like Atkinson. And there is some charm to the show. But ultimately, I'm not really sure whether or not this is worth your time. Um. Because it, even if you enjoy the first few episodes, there's nothing here that's outrageously funny or anything like that. I, I, I don't think it's really that funny of a show. Um, I'm gonna give it a week, not recommend. It wasn't really the most um, fun show. It, it didn't really feel like I'm. It, it pains me because I really like Ron Atkinson stuff, but this was just not up to par. I think it. There's a lot of you know faint shades of Mr. Bean, but a lot of this is the lowest Mr. Bean episodes I've seen. Like it's the if this is like part of the Mr. Bean series, it's the lowest the the show has been. So I, I don't think it's really up to par with a lot of the stuff I really like from Atkinson. There are moments that I think shine through, but I I don't think this is a show that sustains through the runtime and there's not anything anything here that's particularly funny or something that's really worth seeing. So 
to that, I'm going to end up giving it a, a, a weak not recommend. There is charm here. Silas really enjoyed it. Um, but I don't think that anybody over the age of 10 is going to find enjoyment in this. So, you know, it, it's good for the 10-year-old, and it's not unbearable to have in the background if, you know, you're babysitting or anything like that. But really, it's it, I don't think it's that it's really worth your time. So I'm going to give it a, a week not recommend, which, you know, an unfortunate note to go out on. But we talked about something that I thought was really good, really original, then a famous, you know, show, Stranger Things, that I – uh, had t- taken me a long time to get to. Now I'm finally here watching it. And then we discussed Man vs. B, a uh, brand new Netflix show, I think, that came out last week. We got a lot of cool stuff coming mm-hmm. up on the show. Harry Potter, hopefully, will be wrapping up soon. Minions 2, Elvis, Thor, Love, and Thunder. I mean, we are officially in summer season. So that's exciting. And with that comes a lot of good movies, lots of good shows, hopefully. And we're going to be discussing them on the show. I had a good time coming on talking about a few projects. Kind of just covered some topics in a short period of time. Um, I th- hopefully we will be able to wrap up Harry Potter soon. Um, but with every, you know, we've kind of had a crazy past few weeks, so we haven't really been able to get back to discuss those episodes. But hopefully, we will be able to do that soon. Maybe I'll come on talk about some movie news and things along those lines. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As always, I'm over at Letterboxd. My handle is nonukum, nonukumhub.blogspot.com. And I think that's about it. So thank you guys so much. Anything you want me to tackle, please let me know over at moviemaniacs2020 at gmail.com. I will happily you know, review um, any type of movie or discuss any topics so let me know through there thank you guys so much for listening had a good time coming on talking about these topics and thank you so much for listening and i'll see you guys with our next episode